Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. Before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Sure. My name is Erin Gall, and I am in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, specifically Springhouse, Pennsylvania. And my practice is called Your Speech Path, LLC. I love it. I'm so excited to hear your interview tonight, Erin, because I think you have a lot of fantastic information to share um, with people who are both getting started as well as starting to grow their practices. So um, before we kind of launch into hearing about what your private practice is like, can you tell us a little bit about like how you got started? Maybe what, you know, maybe what you were interested in grad school or what your CF for early years were like? Yeah, absolutely. So I had kind of a unique interest. Um, I saw Mr. Holland's opus as a teenager and I fell in love with sign language. So I originally thought I was going to be a sign language interpreter. Uh-huh. And then I thought I was going to be an audiologist. And very long story short, I ended up getting my bachelor's in deaf studies, D-E-A-F, mm-hmm. um, at Rosemont College. And my sign language teacher sent us to all the, all the students to an audiology clinic. And I get there and I'm like, you know, this is cool, but it's just a lot of the same thing. It's yeah. put your hand up, you know, do you hear this sound? And it was, it was very much the geriatric population, um, <clears throat> very much adults. And I was, I was always a kid person. Um, and so the audiologist was really, was really cool and sat me down afterwards and say, Hey, what do you think? I was like, you know, it's just not quite way to what I pictured. And she's like, well, what were you picturing? And I said, well, I was thinking about, you know, kids who are, you know, being amplified with hearing aids and cochlear implants and, you know, them, you know, learning to talk. And she's like, oh, oh, so you're more so interested in speech language pathology. And I looked at her blankly. I had never, I'm embarrassed to say, I had never even heard 
of speech yeah. language pathology. I never had it. I never needed speech therapy. No one I knew had it. And so I ended up going home researching and I was done. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a speech language pathologist who focused on kids with hearing loss, learning to utilize what speech they have or yeah. learning to talk. Um, and to this day, I still specialize um, with kids who have hearing loss. And um, I ended up going to Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C. for my master's. It was the only school I wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. uh, people call me crazy. I only applied to three graduate schools, even though they tell you to apply to, I don't know, 12, 15. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my husband ended up getting a job offer, coincidentally, in Northern Virginia. And I said, we're going. I know I'm going to Gallaudet. Yeah. So I went to Gallaudet and it was just an amazing experience. It only solidified my love for deaf culture. And um, I just, I knew I was on the right path. And so here I am. Um, we ended up moving back to Pennsylvania because that's where all of our family is. Mm -hmm. And my clinical fellowship I chose because um, uh, the company was going to put me in a classroom for three to five-year-olds with hearing loss. So it sounded like the ideal situation. Perfect, Perfect in theory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, it was essentially a school-based program and all those politics with IEPs mm. and services and kids qualifying, kids not qualifying, really took a toll on me. And I was like, I just want to help kids. You know, yeah, you're I, like, I saw Mr. Holland's opus. I yes, exactly. Help. Like, do you know why I'm here? You yeah. know, I played clarinet. I know sign language. Like, I've, I've got I it I went all. to Gallaudet. I would have I fixed exactly. everybody. Exactly. Um, and then on top of that, uh, the company ended up taking all of their center-based therapists, which was me, and putting us out in the community where I was no longer going to be seeing kids with hearing loss, maybe one. And I was like, okay, this is not going to work for me. Yeah. So um, I had thought back to my graduate program and I was like, you know, I really loved the internship at the private practice. And I was like, you know, we didn't have those politics. You know, we were able to deem how many times a week, what we were working on. It was a, it was a private pay clinic and we had so much freedom. And I just felt like even as a graduate student, I was making a difference. Yeah. Um, so as I was leaving my clinical fellowship, I was, I was looking into private practices, um, which then led me to the private practice I was at prior to starting my own. Um, and I don't know how much detail you want me to get into that, but that was really that experience at the new private practice was, um, uh, let's say challenging. Yeah. Um, well, what did, what did you learn? What were some of the things that you learned maybe that you didn't like about how other people run private practices that kind of shifted you to want to be employed yeah. by a private practice to actually running your own? Yeah. Um, Boy, that could be a podcast in itself. However, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you the spark notes. Um, so the woman who owned and ran the practice um, was not a speech therapist. Fine. They don't have to be necessarily. Um, but she didn't get it. Um, and it ended up that I was starting at 10 hours because there was no speech program. It was only physical therapy 
and occupational therapy. She wanted to bring in speech. So she hired me. Start at 10 hours. Okay, we fill them because I'm going out to doctor's offices. I'm doing talks and screenings and all that. Um, I work up to 30 plus, if not 40. Um, and and on top of that, you. still just, just me. You. Okay. Towards that 30 hour mark, I was like, whoa, this is getting to be too much. Um, so there was a part-time speech therapist that was only in the evenings, like the after school hours, but that wasn't helping me during the day. So she did bring in another speech therapist, um, which did help. Um, but then the, the administration aspect of the practice was really, really, uh, what's the word? It was, it was such a downer. The morale was down across disciplines. Yeah. The high caseloads, I didn't have lunch breaks. I didn't have bathroom breaks. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I had such amazing clients and families and I was doing the work I loved, mm -hmm. but the behind the scenes ended up taking away all that joy. And I realized I was like, I'm, I'm not happy going to work anymore. I love my coworkers. I love my clients, but the politics and the disorganization was just too much. Well, um, especially it sounds like in contrast to what you had as a grad student. Yes. Right? I was like, what? So you knew what private practice could be like. Exactly. I was like, yeah. something is wrong here. And I knew the owner was just in over her head and she, she was drowning and she couldn't get out. Yeah. She couldn't get out of the pool. Um, so then on top of that, um, we, we had an agreement that once I made it to full-time status, like 30 hours, mm -hmm. um, I would become salaried and she ended up rescinding that. She wanted me to work more for less money. Oh. So I said, and this was over Christmas break. I remember I was sitting there having an anniversary dinner with my husband and my boss sent me an email saying, so here's what I'm looking at. So I know we talked about this number, but here's what I can give you. And I said, you can, you can expect my, my resignation when I get back. I was very honest. I was very open. I was not, you know, I was not starting any drama. I said, this is not what I signed up for. And so that was the start um, of me thinking. Now at that time I was planning on just finding a job, moving on. Um, I had absolutely no idea that I was going to start, uh, you know, my own private practice. Um, so what happened? I'm just going to go back and work at a school or a exactly. clinic or a hospital. There's, yeah, there's what we intermediate units nearby. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to go to one of those. I work eight to four done. Um, which I was, I was going on interviews and none of the interviews stuck with me and all the, all the aspects of the jobs. There were some, I was like, I can do that, but nothing really gave me that spark that private practice did. Yeah. And in the meantime, I'm starting to tell all my clients at the practice that I'm leaving. Yeah. And I was blown away by the amount of clients that said, where are you going? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do next? And I said, honestly, I have no idea. All I'm telling you is that I will be done on this date. You have the option of continuing there will be another speech therapist coming in. I don't know who that is yet. Well, we don't want another speech therapist. You know, we, we, we know you, we love you, you know, our child. And 
I already knew how much I cared about my clients and I, and I knew they cared about me, but boy, was this, this was like a light bulb moment. Like, wow, like I even underestimated the relationship you establish, you know, cause it's not like school-based where you don't see the therapist doing their job. You know, I saw the parents every session. They heard from me every session. It's a relationship. Well, it sounds like you didn't feel like you were making as much of a difference because you felt so bad about the work environment. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I know I love all my kids. I know that they're having fun, but that motivation was gone. You know, I was just waiting for the clock to run out and I have never been that way with speech. And that was another reason I was like, okay, it's time to go, which I just battled with. Cause I was like, what about this kid? What about that kid? He came in with no words and now he's speaking in sentences. What happens? And I was like, okay, I'm not the only speech therapist on this planet that can do the job. Um, so um, a couple of parents in particular asked me, well, are you going to go to another private practice? And I said, well, ideally that would be fantastic. But right now I'm, I'm interviewing with this one private practice. They want 10 hour days. Um, I'm looking at intermediate units and they're just not quite the right fit. And they're like, well, you should just do it on your own. And I was like, and I kind of, took a pause and I was like, is that even possible? Um, Cause that was not my intention. You know, I was not intending on leaving and taking all my clients and you know, that kind of thing, this little, you know, the evil speech pathologist. Um, and so I went home and I was talking to my husband and I said, you know, so-and-so said, well, Aaron, you like, you should just do private on your own. And he was, even he said, can you do that? And I said, I'm not sure. Like, how, cause I just thought it had to be this, this big, you know, brick and mortar and, you know, this fancy schmancy, you know, computer system and all. And I was like, I can't do that. So I found the private practice beginners, um, Facebook pages, which I'm still a very active member in. Um, I read them every day. I read posts every day. And so there's a lot of great value in there for everybody, right? For total beginners, for established people. That's the thing. It runs the gamut. It runs the gamut from people saying, you know, I'm working in the schools and I'd like to take a couple clients after school to, you know, oh, I I have a brick and mortar and I want to hire new, uh, more clinicians. So I was like, A, I was overwhelmed, but B, I knew if I'm going to get the answers, they're going to be here. So I ended up asking just some basic questions. Hey, so hypothetically, if you were to start your own private practice, what would you do? So it was a process. Um, I started very simple and I was still working. um, This whole time, I had been working very part time for a contracting agency, only taking hard of hearing kids Mm -hmm. from birth to three. Um, That was always just like a couple kids on the side, like on the weekend. So I had that and I was like, what if I took more kids there and just kind of experimented with private practice? My husband happens to be in marketing, which was just an awesome resource. So he's like, well, you're going to need a website. You're going to need this. You're going to need that. And I was like, whoa, mind blown. Um, but he was such a support. I don't, I don't even know if I'd be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have him kind of guiding me, Wonderful. at least with the marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I was good at my job. And I was like, that has to count for something. And I'm very motivated. I just... I had, I just had this feeling that this is what I was supposed to do. So I made my website. I got a Google voice free number. I mean, I was pulling out, you know, all the, all the stops, all the free stops. Yeah. Um, and 
I had um, a couple people inquire, said, you know, where are you going? And I said, um, you know, I'm not sure. Here's my email. Stay in touch because I never wanted to look like I was soliciting. Yeah. Um, never told anyone, oh, well, here, you know, here's yeah. what I'm going to do. You know, keep it on the down low. Yeah. yeah. Um, I said, here's my email. Keep in touch. Because at that point, I still wasn't even confident in what I was doing. Um, but so I got my website up, I got my number, um, and the emails just started coming in from old clients, from people who heard that I was leaving and said, Oh, I, I heard of you at this private practice. My child receives services from birth to three or, you know, uh, uh, three to five. Um, and I heard you might be doing private. (laughs) And I was like, this is so Wow. Had to be the puzzle pieces just started fitting together. So I was doing um, very part time, but in home mm-hmm. services, just going to kids' houses, um, which worked in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had my website. I started um, my Facebook page, and I became an LLC. Um, talked to my uh, accountant, and just started getting all the ducks in a row. Yeah, and then all of a sudden. Before I knew it, I couldn't take any more kids. Wow. I was, try- I mean, I will say I was accepting almost everyone. Yeah. Um, so well, some a lot writing. of people start like that, right? Yes. You still had your your hard of hearing kids that were probably you know you couldn't wait to bring them on, but a yeah. lot of times when people start, they do tend to take everyone and. I think it's great to eventually have a more specialized niche. I think that that's a better way for private practitioners to be as they become more established. But in the beginning- you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's transitioning to. Yeah. So so then I, I don't know, it it must've been the spring of this year. And I said to my husband, I was like, I'm getting calls and I can't take these kids. And that really stinks. And so I kind of looked at him and I was like, is it time to get an office? And he is very type A. He knows it. And he was like, well, let's look at finances. Let's look at an Excel spreadsheet and all that. We did all that work. Um, And I just started to inquire to um, some real estate, you know, uh, some buildings near me that were renting out office space. And I had an agent working with me and she said, Hey, Aaron, I know you're looking for this area, but this one place popped up literally everything. It's elevator accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a main area, a private office for treatment. She's like, I feel like this would really fit your needs. And at first I said, no, it's the wrong area. I was trying to be a little closer to my my longtime clients, I had been getting more closer to where I live, but I was primarily working in a different county. I was like, no, 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 it's 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 too much to ask for my of my clients. And she's like, well, it it might be worth a look. And I said, okay, it's worth a look. Well, I got there and I was like, this is it. This is it. The price is right. The space is right. Just everything has fallen into place. And so I've been in the office since June first. Everybody but one client followed. Wow, um, that's great. Yes. So, and that was just family circumstances that what you know, um, and it happens. And I was ex- and I was anticipating that. Um, so I've been in the office about three months now, steadily getting calls, marketing myself, doing, you know, uh, I'm going to be doing free preschool screenings um, in my new area. Um, having booths at you know festivals near me and all, and it's 
so far so good. That is so amazing. I mean, consistently throughout your story are opportunities that have come out of seemingly the blue. Yes. And stars have just really aligned for you at just the right time. Exactly. I was like, this is when this was all supposed to happen. I was supposed to go through this rough period at another practice to learn. I mean, I learned about what you do, what you don't do, you know. Um, it was such a valuable experience at the time. I didn't know it, but now I'm like, wow, like, and unfortunately that practice has now essentially gone under. Hmm. Um, there were a lot of exits after me. And so I was like, wow, timing is just everything. Um, so it has just been, I mean, I literally walk into work sometimes I open my office door and I was like, wow, I did this. You know, it is such an amazing feeling. And for all the speech therapists, you know, thinking about it and like those thoughts are ruminating, you know, mm-hmm. I encourage you to look into it. You know, if you have that drive, it can be the most rewarding decision. And it, it definitely has been for me. Well, and like, I, I mean, you not only did, oppor- so uh, sometimes opportunities present themselves and we have mm-hmm. an opportunity, we can take them or leave them, right? Yes. But not only did opportunities come to you, but you kind of went out on a limb and challenged yourself and pushed yourself to really take them. And it sounds like you had wonderful support also of your husband mm-hmm. and yes. still this whole um, memory of a really functional private practice back in the beginning yes. of your career. Like, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. It's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, you yeah. kind of have that you know, polar opposite experience, you know, yeah. which, you know, it happens and it, it, it worked out in my favor at the end that I saw both sides of the coin. I love it. So, so in addition, you mentioned that, you know, you're in this new area, you've had your office since June, you're going to start doing some screenings. What do you think the next six months to a year looks like for you? I am really hoping to build my caseload based on my, my niche, like you were you were referring to earlier. So I started with the interest in deaf and hard of hearing, and I still get referrals specifically for that. Um, I'm on um, referral lists for specific, like cochlear implant programs in the area for us, because speech therapists with sign language and the background in hearing loss are pretty rare. Um, so w- that's why my contracting agency says, please don't leave us, please don't leave us, because they know to come to me for these kids. Um, but I've also um, become very much focused in childhood apraxy of speech. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taken, I mean, you name the training recently, and I've, and I've taken it. Um, everyone from Edith Strand with DTTC, um, Sue Kaspari, um, I've been in touch with her because she's at Temple University. And so I work kind of adjacent to her with some of her therapists who work under her. I've, I've received referrals from her um, and Sue Kaspari, as many people know, um, is a very well-renowned um, expert in CAS. Um, so she has been just an awesome connection to make. Um, and um, then of course, Kaufman, um, I mean, Dave Hammer, all that. And um, I ended up becoming listed on the Childhood Apraxia of Speech Directory for apraxia kids. So I have a lot of kids coming in with CAS because again, that focus, you know, with that motor-based speech isn't always, you know, there. Just like, don't send me a swallowing kid, you know, don't send it to me, you know, cause I, no, no. Um, 
So, you know, therapists have their own niches. And so mine has definitely become the heart of hearing and apraxia of speech. And I'm hoping to build on that um, within the coming months. I think that's fantastic, right? You started out a generalist, have mm-hmm. sort of have started to move toward toward specialty. And, you know, I can tell from from hearing you you and hearing, you know, the way you're talking that like these populations really energize you. Yes. Right? Yes. And private practice is not easy. It's right? Not. It's I think it's not as hard in some respects as some people think it is, but it's not like an is super easy path, right? No, it's not. But you do get to make decisions. And one of the decisions you get to make are what kind of clients do you want to work with? Mm-hmm. Yep. Put through a lot of effort and energy and money to yes. learn about, you know, all about apraxia. This is kind of your, your new area, right? Yeah. So you're going to really be the go-to person in that niche in your area. And yeah you know, marketing will happen on its own. You know, everyone wants to know, well, how do you get word of mouth marketing? And the thing I always tell people is you have to give something, got to give people something to talk about. Exactly. You're the go-to person for a specific thing. You're not going to get word of mouth marketing because there's nothing to say. That's such a great point. Yeah. It's almost like you, you almost have to sell yourself in a certain aspect. Like this, this is what, I offer. You can't get this anywhere else, not to, not to the level that I can provide. And luckily I've had amazing parents that, I mean, they don't even ask permission anymore. They're like, I gave your number out. You know, I gave your website out. I, I, I joke with one parent. I say, you know, I got to get you on staff. You know, you're going to have to take commission. Um, but yeah, if you are that go-to person, yeah. it's going to happen naturally. You don't have to think about, oh, I got to get my name out here, name out here. You know, if you're, if you've got a product, you know, and people know you for it, they're going to buy it. That's exactly right. And parents these days, we're in a very um, review referral heavy culture right now, yes. right? Mm-hmm, I don't, so. for better or worse, I don't buy almost anything without checking an Amazon review or go to a restaurant without yeah. looking on Yelp, right? So people and and my personality is if I have a good experience with something, I want to tell everybody about it. Exactly. Even if it's something really simple, like a shoe brand or, you know, whatever. So you have made such a difference in the lives of these parents and their kids that they can't wait to tell everybody about you, you know, even without any kind of commission or anything, right? They're just so happy. That's my hope. Yeah. found you. And they want other parents who were in their situation, maybe a year, two years, three years ago, to go to someone who has had such a tremendous impact on their lives like you have. So you have really, and this is in a new, this is also, you're in a new area, right? So you're, you're having closer yet to where I live now versus going to a different County. I was, I was doing some work, you know, where I was, but now I'm, I'm building more. Like I'm, my office is less than 10 minutes from my house now, which is just so nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. It makes such a difference. Um, but yeah, like and to know that parents think that highly of a service that not only you worked so hard to hone and it's something that I'm so passionate about. And that's the fact that they, they feel it too. They feel my passion, you know, and they want to share it. I mean, that's like the ultimate 
that's the ultimate goal and the ultimate compliment. I am so proud of you. <laughs> well, and, thanks, Jenna. <laughs> well, I am. I'm so proud of you. And I, I hope that you're just so proud of yourself, right? Like how long has this journey, how long would you say that you've been kind of on this journey to private practice? Unknowingly, probably since 2014. However, the this your speech path, it's been about a year and nine months. Wow. It's, it's so odd. It feels like it's been a couple weeks, but it also feels like it's been 10 years. Like, just, it's been in the making since I was a toddler. I mean, who, you know, who the heck knows? But, since um, Mr. Holland's opus. Since Mr. That is right, Jenna. <laughs> Ever since I saw Mr. Holland's opus, it's been in the works. Um, yeah, and I just, I feel like I am where I'm supposed to be. And I, and I want that for every speech therapist, whether it's the schools, whether it's a hospital, no matter where it is, you know. Um, so, I, you know, if, if my story can help anyone, oh my gosh, like, that's icing on the cake. Well, I think that people are really going to resonate with your story on multiple levels. So I, I truly, um, I thank you for your, your candor and honesty. I thank you for sharing just your, your ups and downs of your journey. Yeah. I think it's part of the, part of the process too. You know, we're, we're all going to face those. I mean, I have days where it's slow. I have cancellations and I'm like, (gasps) You know, you have that, you know, your, your heart starts beating a little bit like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? But then I'm like, no, no, no. Hills and valleys, hills and valleys, you know? Yeah. Well, really, I think I can't thank you enough, Erin, for doing this podcast interview. And I'm sure the listeners are going to walk away just completely inspired by what you've been able to accomplish in really a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, I, I guess it has been. <laughs> Again, sometimes I'm like, how long have I been doing this? But it's all good. It is all good. Oh, well, thank you so much again for doing this. Thank and, you, Jenna. And please, let's be in touch, you know, maybe yeah. six months, a year from now to see, you know, how, um, how, how niching has worked out for you. That would be awesome because I'm, I'm sure as heck really curious how it works out too. You know, I'm optimistic. I, I feel good about it. Well, I feel optimistic and good about everything you're doing. So (laughs) keep up the good work, pat yourself on the back. I'll try. (laughs) Yeah. And just keep in touch, Erin. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks, Jenna. All right. Have a good night. You too. Now that you've listened to the podcast, I hope that you're all fired up to help more people while making more money. If you need help starting or growing your private practice, I can help. I've created tons of high quality resources for beginning through established private practitioners alike to help you save time, money, and confusion. Just visit www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get instant access to everything from startup guides to marketing plans to ongoing support and mentorship and more. Listen, private practice can be complicated but it doesn't have to be. My job is to simplify the process for you so that you can do what you do best, help people. But first, you have to help yourself. Just go to www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get the resources you need to succeed today.
Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.